G'day, you're listening to The Misadventures of Bo Hogart and the Brilliant Blue-Eyed Woman. My name's Vic, plume.com. Chapter 2, Flight NQR. Sit back and enjoy. After packing for the flight to Vegas, I finally put my head down and thought of my ex-wife, as I did most times before sleeping. My ex was a good woman, but the sex change operation changed all that. After the alteration, Tony with an I became Tony with a Y, and I moved out to start my own private detective agency, vowing to keep my mind occupied by talking to myself while attempting to solve different cases. As I drifted off to sleep, my thoughts changed to the latest case. It was definitely a mysterious one, but I had a feeling this case wasn't going to be too tough. At 6.45am I woke up. I didn't have to be on the plane until around midday, so at 6.46am I popped a couple of tranquilizers and washed them down with half a bottle of whiskey, then presumably went back to sleep. 7.15am woke up, had a shot of whiskey to wash down another tranquilizer, then checked the clock and went back to sleep. 7.18am had a dream I woke up and went back to sleep, then I woke up, popped some pills, went back to sleep and had a dream I got up. 9.45am, woke up, checked the clock, swigged some whiskey and went back to sleep. 10.09am, didn't wake up, didn't go back to sleep, didn't check the clock. 11.08am, pissed the bed, my alarm clock didn't go off but my body clock was working perfectly. 11.09am, fell asleep, this case was going to be tougher than I thought. Fortunately, the phone rang. It was Lewis Staines making sure I was up and at him. As he kindly informed me, I only had 15 minutes to board my plane. I tried to thank him, but the call ended abruptly when my phone's extension cord ripped out of the wall as I whipped out onto the street. Approaching a waiting cabbie, I yelled, LaGuardia Airport, there's a lazy hundred in it if you can get me there in five. On the way to the airport, I threw the remaining contents of a plastic bottle of tranquilizers down my pill pipe, along with the top half of my breakfast whiskey flask. On arriving, I threw a handful of cash at the cabbie, advising him he'd get more business if he actually had a cab, and then made a dash for the ticket counter. Good morning, said the rigid ticket staffer as I skidded up to the counter. Can I help you, sir? I'm way beyond help, Thank you very much, I replied in a vain attempt to put a smile on his humorless face and hopefully speed up the ticketing process. Any baggage, sir? Yep, I answered, lifting my suitcase onto the conveyor belt. My ex-wife is a man. Have you any metal objects in your carry-on luggage or on your person, sir, such as a knife, a nail file or nail clippers? Yeah, there's usually five or six knives in me back, but I don't like to lend them out, I quipped, reaching into my hand luggage and handing over a pair of nail clippers, a 12-inch bowie knife, a Magnum 357 handgun, and my newly acquired Maltese Falcon emblazoned cigarette lighter. He began to ask another inane question, but I cut him off. But wait, there's more, I declared searching my person for a set of steak knives, muttering, thank God I don't have any gold teeth. 
What possible harm could anyone cause with a nail file or a pair of nail clippers, I asked myself, watching him place my metal objects into a security box. I imagined an angry bearded seven-foot terrorist waving a nail file in front of a group of passengers mid-flight, threatening, Don't try anything silly or I'll file your fingernails down to your elbows. Meanwhile, two ex-army buddies seated in the back of the plane are whispering to each other, Come on, Jerry, I think we can take this bastard. Yeah, Larry, he's only got a nail file and we've got some nail clippers and a plastic fork. The baggage staffer's voice broke in. Have you anything else to declare, sir? Yes, I replied. I'm not part of the royal family and I've never been knighted, so please stop calling me sir. He turned away, disgusted, and typed an extended version of the Bible on his keyboard. After all was done, I ran off to gate 996 million, stopping quickly at Muck Burgers to grab a Muck Burger before resuming my run. Slowing briefly to go through the airport's metal detector, I sprinted out the other side and arrived at the gate just in time to see my plane giving me the brown eye as its exhausted arse end disappeared into the clouds. Some days luck just don't go my way, I thought, and then the plane exploded into a fireball that rose and rolled over and over within itself, leaving nothing but a mushrooming cloud of black smoke and a large piece of wing that quickly grew larger as it screamed directly at me, smashing into the outside wall below. The impact completely shattered the window I was looking through. Luckily, I mumbled, today obviously isn't one of those days. After catching my breath, I remembered I'd forgotten my toothbrush, and as I walked away, I pondered how, if I'd made the flight on time, my one-way ticket to Vegas would have been a one-way ticket to Vegas. Taking out my client's business card, I punched in his cell phone number and waited while I walked, which is a skill in itself. I thought of how the airline safety demonstration wouldn't have helped the passengers on flight NQR because it's hard to find the exit doors when there aren't any. A healthy dose of paranoia made me question if the explosion was an accident or if it was meant for me. After a few short rings of his phone, Lewis Staines's voice answered, Hello, I'm not in at the moment, but if you leave your name and phone number after the beep, people may be able to track you down and kill you. I heard it beep. And in order to divert any suspicion from online eavesdroppers, I said, Hello, it's not me, so don't give me a call back as soon as possible. My flight has been severely cancelled to pieces, so I'll have to make other arrangements if I'm not going to get to that place I wasn't going to go to, as you didn't request. Take care, it's cheaper than crack. Over and out of it. Oi. Leaving the growing congregation of alarmed citizens and airport staff via the nearest sliding doors, I made a beeline for the airport's underground parking garage. I had a strong feeling that officially booking a car or any form of transport may not be good for my health. I also figured the authorities would want to detain everyone who was at the airport until they found out why planes were exploding. I definitely didn't want to be interrogated by people who were more paranoid than me, grilling me as to why I had a ticket for an exploding plane that I'd decided not to catch, and wanting to know why I had 10 grand in cash and a photo of a blue-haired woman with a face full of metal neither of which I could answer honestly due to client confidentiality and the fact I didn't really know. 
Arriving at the parking garage, I selected an insane red Corvette Stingray of the vehicular variety. After persuading the door to open, I began fumbling under the dashboard. A few seconds later, the car took a breath and ZZ Top's Lagrange started thumping out of its brutal quadraphonic sound system. Unfortunately, due to copyright law, nobody else could hear it. Oh my god. I revved the engine, leaving a short squeal of echoing rubber behind me and sped away. As I turned into the airport's exit lane, two serious-looking dark-suited guys, one with carrot-red hair, the other completely bald, came running out of the airport's sliding doors. Baldy looked around intently while Red concentrated on a small handheld device that began beeping like a semi-trailer reversing at 250 miles per hour just as I levelled with him. There he is! yelled the red-headed suit, pointing at my free red rental. Baldy pulled out his pistol and fired, simultaneously ripping the whiskey flask from my hand and mouth, sending it sailing through the now permanently open passenger window. My nerves screamed the command to down half a bottle of tranquilizers and a full bottle of whiskey, but with no pills, whiskey or time remaining, I downed the gas pedal instead. As the Corvette fishtailed into a straight line, the two suits fired a string of bullets that couldn't be tied in a knot, and as I disappeared around the corner, so did my rear window, as well as every bit of colour from all four of my cheeks. I had no idea what was going on, but I did know I was in more shit than an epileptic plumber at a sewage treatment farm. It was imperative I got hold of some more whiskey and another pistol, so off to the XX wife's place we went. Just me and my newly air-conditioned Corvette Stingray, standing out like a red neon come-and-get-me sign tattooed onto King Kong's coconuts. You have now reached the end of Chapter 2.